Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Because it's a dog's life with pet and cannabis expert Angela Ardolino. Learn the best holistic practices from top pet industry professionals and listen in on why CBD might be a whole different animal for your best in show buddy. Here's your new best friend about pets, Angela Ardolino. Hey everybody, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life and I'm joined today by Dr. Steph Stuba from Melbourne, Australia. And you're probably like, well, how the heck did you find a vet from Australia and why are you talking to her? Well, let me tell you why. She's so cool. I'm pretty sure I found you um, through that, the wonderful Association of Veterinary Students uh, program, which I love them so much. I'm pretty sure that's how I found you. And then why I was so attracted to what you were doing is that you're making leashes and collars out of recycled items. And I love that. I love that you're so young. I love that you were proactive. You, um, you're a vet for the RSPCA, which is the same as the SPCA here, but I guess they also um, work with wildlife so you were seeing a lot of wildlife coming in, um, you know, probably wrapped up in plastic and all kinds of things from whether the ocean or in the environment. And you thought, well, let's do something with this mess and not only help the animals that are getting into it, but do something for the animals that need something, right? Pretty much exactly. No, exactly. Um, I guess the the background with Annie Powell, where we're creating a recycle, where we're creating products out of recycled plastics. So that's, and recycled- your, that's your company, Annie Powell, A-N-I-P-A-L. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. When did you start it? I started it soon after I actually started at RSPCA. So as a graduate vet, um, I think that the background for it, uh, I'd always been interested in conservation and wildlife in Australia, especially because uh, I'm, I'm from rural Australia and there's a very large river system, the Murray River, which goes through and that actually divides two states in Australia and that goes through our property at home and it periodically floods especially when they uh, let water out um, of the dams. And then when that water recedes, there is a lot of plastic left uh, all over the paddocks, plastic and rubbish. And so for the next few months, um, dad and and our family are out picking picking that up. Otherwise you do see uh, quite a lot of wildlife with uh, that ingest that plastic or get caught up in that plastic. So it's always been front of mind. Uh, And then when I started actually working clinically as a vet at RSPCA, you were obviously still seeing that wildlife come in and then um, all the plastic in our vet industry that most of us actually have no idea is plastic. Uh, These products that they feel like, for example, collars and leashes feel like they're made out of natural fibres, but it really is just plastic spun into yarn and woven into products. So it's just about increasing awareness and, and enabling vets to have a wider impact and try and proactively reduce the, the virgin plastic that's being used in our industry. Okay, so we'll talk a little bit about how you're helping um, other vets be more sustainable, but let's first talk about how the heck 
did you go, I'm going to pick this trash up and I'm going to make a collar out of it. And what, I mean, how did you begin the process and find somebody to do it and make it? Yeah, well, lucky these days we have computers and we have internet and you can pretty much, if if you're interested enough, research um forever and and manage to to get some link into into figuring out uh solutions so i was fortunate that i i I did quite a bit of research and then i called up different manufacturers locally and they were really lovely and just explained to me the state of recycling in australia where things are at and how these products can actually be produced and I was really lucky and actually quite blown away about how willing they were to sit down and spend time with me and walk me through that process, which was really good. And then also I had um, a number of friends in the manufacturing space who also helped me out to, to figure out what we could do. Because I, I, I simply thought if these products are made from virgin plastic. We should be easily be able to make them out of recycled plastic. That was a little bit naive in that um, under, once I understood how uh, limited our recycling capabilities are here in Australia, uh, it, it meant that, you know, I had to, had to find different routes and that does mean working with people overseas. I was reaching out to people in England and then the UK and then the US and then Asia. And yeah, so it's, it's been a journey, but um, I've learned a lot on the way. So what is um, uh, Australia's, what do they do with their recycling? Do they have a recycling program and were you able to use any of the recycling where you're in your home state? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So we have a very limited recycling capacity here. Uh, most of Australia's waste, interestingly, was just getting shipped abroad. Um, our partners in Southeast Asia have a much more advanced recycling capacity there, simply because manufacturing is is so large in Southeast Asia and originally it a lot of it came on the back of getting in waste material and using that to recreate products because it was a cheaper uh, material for them to use if if it was um, regarded as waste and then they would recycle it so recycling and the infrastructure over there is quite enormous uh, so that's pretty much what Australia did with a lot of it, a lot of our waste, and only about 5%, I think it was, was getting recycled here. But um, it came to light um, you know, globally when, when China put, it, put their foot down and said no they were Exactly, which was really good. And Australians then became aware of how how big of an issue this is and how limited we are in our manufacturing capabilities here. And government has fortunately proactively said by, I think it's by 2025 or I'm, I, I'm not exactly sure when, but that they're going to stop sending all plastic overseas. It's... it's um, it's slowly being introduced this um, this process, but what's what's really good is that it means there's going to be more funds spent on manufacturing 
here and more support by government. So we're now working on actually being able to create that full circular supply here in Australia. And we have trials in process with a few manufacturers, which is which is really good. Oh, very cool. When did you launch your first product? Launched our first product about 18 months ago, which um, which was really lovely. And the vet industry accepted it with open arms, which I, um, I feel really fortunate about. Uh, and we're launching in a couple of weeks our second range, which focuses on Australian native endangered species and celebrates and supports those species. And we're working oh, with a yeah, a couple of large, uh, uh, one in particular, pet retailer uh, to help um, to help get that out to the the pet community on scale, which is really exciting. Oh, that is very exciting. So, are you able now to get most of your recycling from Australia? Or are you still having to get it from overseas because the majority is still going over there? So with this range we are about to launch, that's coming from a couple of locations overseas with different manufacturers. Um, and our next lot of products we will be releasing will be um, local circular waste plastic. So When you saw these animals coming in um, with injuries or with you know caught up in some sort of plastic material what did you see the most is there anything you know that you could share with people that they just don't think about um you know throwing out or how where that ends up what are some absolutely so um it was wildlife and most commonly it's birds that we see and water birds in particular uh, that suffer from plastic and commonly we'll see around the beaks. Um, when you buy a Coke bottle or you, you buy um, a six pack, pack of yeah. beer, exactly, you'll, you'll get the plastic rings uh, and, and a Coke bottle as well, even there's a plastic ring that goes in um, when you're screwing the lid down. Commonly, that will end up, and you just never understand why, it'll end up around the beak or around the wings or um, the wing and the wing will get stuck around and it'll go around the torso as well and it constricts. And so it's... It's really heartbreaking when you see that. And also around legs, you'll find all sorts of different plastic material. And sometimes you just cannot figure out what it was. Um, that's that's wrapped around the leg and it can be there for a, a really long time. And obviously animals can keep growing and it constricts uh, further. And um, it, yeah, it, it's pretty, it's very heartbreaking to see. Um. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, I want to talk about how you're working with vets to be more uh, eco-friendly, create less waste, and use less plastic. So we'll be right back. It's a dog's life. We'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. 
Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. All right, we are back. I'm with Dr. Steph Stuba, and we are talking about um, what we can do to keep plastics out of our water and out of our wildlife, but um, you have done something about it. So tell us a little bit more about um, what we can do and um, how, what is, what do you see next out of us recycling um, products like this? So there's, there's a lot that we can do. And I think uh, personally in our, in our private lives, as well as in our clinic, fortunately vets, we, uh, we do have a, a, a trusted relationship with our clients. So uh, we're trying to boost understanding not only to vets, but their ability to then obviously communicate that to, to their customers, uh, be, it, be that through flyers or information in waiting rooms where clients can, um, can interact with that information and, and learn more. But um, in, our, in our private lives, uh, it kind of goes hand in hand, not just with plastic, but just trying to have a more sustainable life in general. Uh, so, for example, driving, we all know if, if we can, um, can catch a ride with friends or walk and cycle. And if it's 22 or 20 degrees over there, as you said, and it's a beautiful day, it's, it's a great reason to get, to get out on foot. Um, and then, of course, of course, with plastics, the, the most common thing that we, uh, that we all know is just replacing that, the plastic water bottles that we all uh, easily can get. If you go to grab one at a store, just remember next time I can just be, you can be carrying that, uh, a reusable drink bottle with you. Just really, really basic things. And once you actually start implementing those processes, it, it blossoms right. and it doesn't seem strange anymore. It doesn't seem like you're doing a special effort. It just is what you do. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, of course, I, anytime I tell people you have a water bottle or anything with that squishy plastic, it's a bad plastic. And not only is it bad for oceans, it's bad for us because a lot of times it's leaching some sort of chemical into the water. It probably sat on a hot truck and in a warehouse for however long. So try to avoid them altogether yeah. for health reasons and because it's better for our environment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's just about actually boosting your awareness of what the products that you use on a daily life are actually made from, because most of us actually don't know because we don't really think about it because we've grown up with these products. Uh, but if you just dive a little bit deeper on both a health front and a sustainability front, 
it is fascinating to learn just how many products you use in your daily life that is made from from plastic and and plastic isn't necessarily a terrible product it's it's helped us advance enormous amounts especially in the health space and the medical space it's just about working out ways that we can actually recycle it effectively and reuse it and for the areas where we don't need it and it does potentially leach out and and create a um a, an environmental and health risk it's about adopt it's about figuring out ideally different um, materials to use but um yeah no the vet the vet industry we we do have um in Australia, we're, and I, I would assume similarly over there, it's a, it's a lovely community. We, um, we are very altruistic and we want to be able to help uh, animals, not just the, the patients we see in our clinic, but more broadly wildlife overall. So we have found that a lot of vets are really interested in trying to enhance their sustainability. Um, it's just about getting getting that information out there. Unfortunately, there's also a community that started here in Australia called Vets for Climate Action, and they're, they're yeah, it's 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 a great group, and um, we're working together to try and really disseminate this information. And also, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, Vet Sustain in the UK. Mm-hmm. You definitely have to look them up. They are fantastic. They're really um, helping, uh, especially one uh, a girl in particular called Ellie West. Uh, she at the Davies Veterinary Specialist Centre in the UK. Uh, they became one of the first clinics globally to get a sustainability certification. And she's helping other clinics in the UK try and achieve this accreditation as well. So they're a great organisation that's we're trying to get vets to work um, globally and unite to really advance the voice of sustainability. I love that. What? So what are some of the easy things that you've like, do you go to other vet offices or they meet with you and you show them this is what you do? What are some of the easy things that you've taught them to do to, to be more sustainable? Yeah, absolutely. So I haven't uh, actually been the one to go out to many clinics. I've more uh, provided information online when I can. Um, and there's a couple of other vets in our community who are really focusing on this space. I am... Um, I have my hands full a little bit with Annie Power right now because we're also working on uh, creating sustainable dog treats as well. So we've got quite a bit in, in the pipeline, but there's um, we've partnered up with amazing voices who are really focused on, on providing that information to vet clinics. But um, in particular with, with, with vets, it all starts with developing a sustainability champion or a sustainability committee normally each clinic will have one or two people who are passionate in this space and it's really about uh, enabling them to um, 
take control and be able to find information and then implement strategies in, into their clinic. And if they've got that passion, they will be able to help drive it. So that's kind of the number one step. We'll always recommend clinics uh, and try and put them in touch with other clinics doing similar things because if you've got a pool of minds working on it together, it's it, it keeps you motivated and helps inspire you. But that's kind of number number one step. Number two step is just some quick, easy wins. So some clinics uh, have a structure with their bins and their waste. Other clinics have a less um, structured approach. And so it's really about just making sure that there are a number of easily accessible different bins and waste streams and you know in your local area what uh, what waste streams work best with your local waste contractor. So if you've got you know, a red bin or a, and a yellow and a green bin and then really educating the, the vets about what goes into each and if you need to do anything before you throw that product out, should you wash it? Should you clean it? Should you just and, and, and really putting pictures above those bins so it's really easy for people. Just Exactly. And to know, okay, this product goes in that bin, boom, because we all know how, how busy you are in a vet clinic. So if you can just get a, see that picture and you know exactly what bin that product needs to go into, and then, um, and then you can, you can really boost um, morale from there because people think that they're, they're doing the right thing and they feel empowered that they know how to do the right thing. The next step is is a waste audit, actually going through those bins and being like, okay, are we actually managing to put the right things in the right bin? And is the waste contractor happy with with how we're going? So so there are really quick um, few good wins that actually make an enormous difference to the footprint of your clinic. Very cool. I love the suggestions. And it is funny how you have to kind of go through it and explain and make sure that everyone's doing it right because they don't know what material something is made out of. That's really neat. Um, all right, we got to take a short break and we'll be right back to talk about more sustainable living. It's a dog's life. We'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. All right, we are back, and I'm with Dr. Steph Stuba, and she is uh, and calling us or joining us today from Melbourne, Australia. So thank you so much. I know it's really early in the morning there. 
Um, I wanted to ask, since you are so um, into recycling and making these um, uh, these collars and leashes, if you knew anything about hemp out there, because hemp, uh, you know, I have a small grooming um, retail boarding shop and I only sell like all natural stuff. So the two um, brands of collars and leashes I have are made out of recycled um, products. Uh, Gold Paw is the name of the company that makes it. I think it's out of plastic bottles and um, she's here in the US. And the other ones are made out of hemp and hemp is, you know, I say hemp's gonna save the world. Um, because it cleans the earth. Um, it's, I wrote everything down so I could tell you that it's, it uses three times less water. It's four times more, creates four times more wood pulp uh, per acre than trees do. So you can make wow. paper out of it, any paper product. It's um, an all natural antibacterial. It doesn't, mold doesn't grow on it. It never, fades it doesn't ever stink so that's perfect for a dog collar so is yeah. plastic but you could never find a plastic you know a bendable knife so the the I wish I had them with me the ones that I do have made out of recycle they're beautiful yeah just like you said most of the times a thread is made out of some sort of plastic and it was a virgin plastic versus a recycled which you know you just got to find the right plastic right exactly exactly no I'm really fascinated to learn more about hemp. We are um, medically in the vet space here in Australia. I think we are very behind in that space. Oh, we get um, people call us every day begging us and we can't. We're like, soon we're working on it. We're working on it. You got to fight and get the laws changed. But what exactly. about industrial hemp? So funnily enough, I'm, I'm really fascinated in that space and I actually reached out to a number of different hemp suppliers here in Australia and also overseas. Um, must have been about a year ago uh, and at that point the, the price point was uh, with the manufacturer here to get it to, to get the, um, the, uh, the yarn to our manufacturer here in Melbourne and, and then manufactured, it, it, was, it was not going to be viable for us at that point. But that is also really exciting because it showed me that there's demand and that's driving up that price point. But with that will obviously come more growers. And that will complete, you're right. That, so the same thing happened here where you went from, you know, 10 farmers to, or no farmers to 10 farmers to, I have the pick of anything that I want now. So even starting, I don't make, we're just now making um, hemp products. Our first product is a dog sling uh, made oh. out of venom. So that's our first product, but it was the same thing. It took me forever to find somebody, somebody that I could afford that would let me buy, you know, not an entire, you know, bolt of it. Yeah. But and and to find someone that was doing a hundred percent hemp and not a 50-50 or something like that. So we did find them and we love it. So we I tell everybody because you can put a a, a crop of uh, an acre of hemp and it is gonna not only clean the earth, the environment, it actually um, replenishes the soil as it grows. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful plant. It makes an amazing, it's the strongest fiber out there, so it'll never break. And it's funny, you think 
leashes won't break. We have those temporary, you know, at the groom shop, those temporary nylon, they break. <laughs> I've had more dogs just snap. And also what people don't know is that a lot of dogs are allergic to nylon. So, yeah. you know, finding uh, something that's more sustainable out of a recycled material that's not going to irritate the dog is also a beautiful thing. Um, Definitely. No, I'm fascinated to learn more more about hemp. And um, yeah, it's it sounds like what you're doing is is brilliant. Because I don't know about you guys, but at the groom shop, you know, a dirty dog comes in and we take off their collar and it smells so bad. That doesn't happen with a hemp collar. Um, it hop, it happens less with a, with the recycled ones. It would take a really long time. And most of the time you just have to like rinse them off, but most colors have that disgusting mildewy smell. And if here in Florida, they are out in the rain or jumping in pools and lakes and it's so gross. So I was like, there's gotta be something better and I don't want a metal one. So yeah, we love that. Um, tell me, um, Tell me, like, what would you tell a, a young person? I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable that you became a vet and that you saw a problem and thought, I'm going to do something about this. What would you tell a young person who's interested in working with animals? I think you're. I think what's so inspiring listening to you talk is how you have a connection with that you're a vet with wildlife with the environment. And I feel that, you know, a lot, a lot of doctors, a lot of vets here in these States, there's no connection at all. Um, and I love that there's that connection and there, ha it should be that there should be that connection. Um, so I just wanted to say that first, it was refreshing. It's so nice to hear you say, you know, that if someone's going to be passionate about it, you just know that they're going to do it and do it well. And I'm like, oh, yes, I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So what would you tell a young vet student uh, over here in the States of, of um, you know, I guess words of inspiration that if you see something, because over here in the United States, you know, and it, it may be the same there in vet school, you're not taught anything about diet and nutrition. Yes. For animals. You're not taught anything about the endocannabinoid system, which is the system that cannabis interacts with. So there's some major chunks um, missing out of your education. So what I love about you young people is that you're looking at that and going, that doesn't make any sense and I should probably do something about it. So that's why I was so happy to have you on, but I want you to tell other young people what, what something inspired them, if they see something wrong, what can they do? Where can they start? Because you're right. We got something called Google, you know? Oh, <laughs> so now we can start somewhere. The power of Google, never underestimate it. It's, it's incredible. Um, I think what is, there is a lot that we, um, that they're unable to squeeze into into the veterinary program. It's it's a pretty vig, uh, vigorous program and rigorous program. And so, uh, but one thing it does teach us, and I think it's it's a really important asset, and a lot of vets underestimate it, is our ability to be really inquisitive and think logically through problems. Awesome. And I think. Uh, vets sometimes need to be 
remind themselves that that is a skill set you can apply to really any problem out there. And pet parents. A hundred percent. And and pet parents. And if you have a passion, just go for it. A lot of a lot of vets, I think um, we 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 get trained up uh, clinically with a lot a lot of information and think we need a lot of stats um, and and information before we can make a diagnosis. But other times we're really having to go off such minimal cues from from the animal. So we have the ability to really work with information that we can find and and what we can source and do the best with it. So my advice is to vet students, don't forget that skill set. And if you've got a passion, just start researching, start somewhere and and feel, always feel confident enough to, to give people a call. Most people, if you're interested in asking them questions about what they do, they're very happy to talk to you about it because it's a space that they really know and love. Is they normally and they, do I mean, I'm, I totally agree with that. I remember when I first got into the cannabis industry and I would start searching for, you know, someone who was growing aeroponically, you know, which had the last you know, the least impact on, you know, our environment. And so, of course, when I found the company that I loved and picked up the phone and called them and said, hi, I'm Angela, this is what I want to do. They were like, oh, our kind of people. So yeah. you do find people and your little tribe starts to grow and get bigger. So that is right. So there really is no reason why you can't do anything that you want because there is a tribe out there and we have this wonderful thing called Google where you can find them. Exactly. Where can people where can people find you and and you know Anna Pal and see your products and keep in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on our website, anningpal.com.au, and we also have uh, Instagram and, and so uh, social media and Facebook. And and at the moment, we are stocked only in vet clinics currently. But as of ooh, a week or two, we're launching in Pet Stock, which is um, a large Australian retailer. They, uh, so we're launching nationally with them with our Australian native species, uh, which is really exciting. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. It's it's really exciting, and um and we're in touch with actually a few well quite a few vets in the US have reached out to us as well. So we're we're in touch with a few people over there and and looking to explore over there as well. But I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing, and um we need we need more information and more advocates like you. Uh, getting the message over here in Australia. Well, I would be, you just buy my ticket. I'll be there. I'll teach anybody everything. I, lo- I give me the reason, give me an excuse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, Thank it's you so much for joining me today. And um, I know I'll talk to you in the near future because next you're going to be going, Hey, can I talk to you about hemp again? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I think it's fantastic. So keep up the good work. It's really good. You too. Thank you so much, Dr. Steph. Thank you very much for having me. Bye-bye.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.